1: Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
2: There is breaking news this morning of a prominent former congresswoman leaving the party of the Democrats. You picked a fine time to leave me, Tulsi. Listen in, Tulsi Gabbard, she's fed up. She's had it. Tulsi Gabbard says she's leaving the Democrats. Yes, she is the former congresswoman who says the party is controlled by.
3: Oh, wait, do you hear this? Today's Democratic Party that's under the complete control of an elitist cabal of warmongers who are driven by cowardly wokeness, who divide us by racializing every issue and stoking anti-white racism who actively work to undermine our God-given freedoms that are enshrined in our Constitution, who are hostile to people of faith and spirituality, who demonize the police but protect criminals at the expense of law-abiding Americans, who believe in open borders, who weaponize the national security state to go after their political opponents, and above all, who are dragging us ever closer to nuclear war. Now, I believe in a government... That's of the people, by the people, and for the people. Unfortunately, today's Democratic Party does not. Instead, it stands for a government that is of, by, and for the powerful elite. Now, I'm calling on my fellow common sense, independent-minded Democrats to join me in leaving the Democratic Party. If you can no longer stomach the direction that the so-called woke Democratic Party ideologues are taking our country... And I invite you to join me.
2: Ooh. Now, do you do you think, what do you think? What's your reaction to this? 855-839-1210. This is Tulsi Gabbard. She's sounding good. And I think Tulsi Gabbard sees an opening here. We've long said she's, you know, going to put her hat in the ring. Will she? for 2024. Does she want to be POTUS? But she's accusing the party of demonizing the police, dragging us close to nuclear war. I, I love that she brought up the fact, as you heard my great interview um, with my friend, Vice Sikahama, former Philadelphia Eagle and longtime sports guy, and then turned news anchor at NBC 10 in Philadelphia. So he and his wife now are doing God's work, serving the church as uh, missionaries in America, as it were. But she talks about spirituality and, and the fact that she's, she's claiming that her fellow former fellow Democrats undermine our God-given freedoms and are hostile to people of faith and spirituality. I love that she brought in that aspect of it because I think that for so many people of faith— Different faiths. They feel that, in fact, this party, for whatever reason, uh, now is hostile to those who are people of faith and spirituality. But she goes through every issue, demonizing the police, protecting criminals at the expense of law-abiding Americans. She says Democrats believe in open borders, weaponize the national security state to go after political opponents. And that's an interesting, we could just take a deep dive in that one. Weaponize the national security state to go after political opponents. Hmm. Who's she talking about there? Have we checked? Is Tulsi, has she recently been uh, to Florida, mar lago I don't know. Maybe she's talking about Mark Houck, the local, the Bucks County man, who's a, a Christian and Catholic who was whose home was at the direction of Department of Justice? His home was raided by dozens of federal agents, and he's now caught up in the system, having to fight for his freedom because they charged him with a, a federal law, of, of charging with a federal crime, I should say, called FACE, where they're saying that he was blocking access to an a. a abortion clinic in Philadelphia, which, again, I'll just point out, and I've said this repeatedly over the past couple of weeks, that Mark Houck, in that incident, the police were there. They investigated as well. D.A. Larry Krasner's office investigated more than a year ago and said nothing criminal happened. Yet, we see right before a midterm election, Mark Houck, taken from his home in handcuffs in front of his seven children and his wife, from his rural home in Bucks County. Is that what she's talking about? The Mark Hout case? So I find that one quite interesting. But she says, above all, dragging us ever closer to nuclear war. And remember, this is somebody who served in the military. So what are Tulsi Gabbard's next moves? This is a major announcement criticizing their, quote, cowardly wokeness and accusing them of stoking anti-white. Racism. This is the woman who formerly represented Hawaii's second district. And yes, U.S. Army Reserve officer accusing the Democrats, her own longtime party of demonizing police and uh, protecting criminals. So we'll follow the reaction. And there is widespread reaction to this. But she this is an invitation. I'm inviting my fellow Democrats to follow me and leave this party. So the question is, where will they follow you? Where does your road lead? <laughs> where, where will the journey take you, Tulsi Gabbard? As she releases this video on social media and is critical of the Democrat Party, of the Democrats, I should say, and the Democratic Party. But she's not saying where she's going. So where does, the, where does the road lead for Tulsi Gabbard? I'm fascinated with this one. And, of course, my dear friend Rich Zioli, who you know, you know, he kind of has a thing for Tulsi. Do, can we just say it? Can I say it out loud? Uh, you know, and by the way, happily married, loves gorgeous, fabulous, Bridget, Zioli, Mrs. Zioli, and their three kids. But I'm just saying he's always talked about Tulsi Gabbard. So... I'll look forward to this afternoon when I know that Rich will uh, Rizzoli will break this down for you what he thinks and what he's hearing because we know he has sources at the highest level, so I know that he's going to have some good stuff on Tulsi. So I wanted to break that for you that that broke just this morning in Philadelphia. This 13 uh, year old killed, and you know these these get us right, and they get the, the police officers who respond to a scene. So they're called, the 911 calls come in, a 13-year-old child, they they take him off the street, Philadelphia Street, and take him to the hospital where he later died. We know that in fact, this morning, there are grief counselors at the school as children learn this news about their classmate. And it's uh, devastating to think about. More than 180 children have been have been victims of violence in Philadelphia in a record-breaking and a heartbreaking year. And it's uh, oh my goodness, do we now? So Anthony, I wanted I, Anthony and I. We have a tough job because Anthony Torenzo, our new executive producer, and of course Jimmy Kelly is here wearing his Kelly green, his Philadelphia Eagles, the the old school green. But Anthony Dorenzo and I have been talking this morning because we thought it would be great to put together a a composition of one police officer who's on the scene of so many different crimes. But I want to set up. Now, did you grab a a package, a local, we call it reporter package, on the 13-year-old, the latest on the 13-year-old Anthony?
0: Yeah, this is uh, Scott Small of the Philly Police, and he's reporting on the West Oak shooting, which is the one you're speaking on right now. The West Oak Lane? Yeah, yeah. And uh, essentially, he just kind of breaks down why would someone do this. And also then after that, he had similar comments um, at the execution style shooting uh, that that also happened last night.
2: So did you also grab the 6ABC, the Catherine Scott report by chance?
0: Yes, I believe I also have. So let's
2: start with Catherine Scott. This is 6ABC because she gives an overview on this one and then we'll go to Scott's. I know it's confusing because we have Catherine Scott. Who's a news reporter at 6 ABC and then we have Scott Small who's with Philly Police? Let's start with the Six ABC report so you get you get the big picture of this scene and that's when he was shot. Let's get to video
0: from Ogon's last night. You can see police on the scene there investigating. This happened uh, at 65th Avenue in Smedley around 645 last night. What led up to the shooting remains under investigation, but police were told the eighth grader from Wagner Middle School was at the intersection hanging out with friends when he was shot multiple times. Arriving officers found the 13-year-old boy lying on the sidewalk and rushed him to the hospital where he was later pronounced dead. According to data from Philadelphia police, as of of midnight. There have been 416 homicides in the city this year. While well, that's down 3% from this time last year. It's still high. In 2019, for example, there were 266 at the same point in the year. Police
4: are trying to get a description of the shooter or shooters in this case. We're not certain if he was struck by stray hey, I'm gunfire. Gonna inter- I'm
2: going but- to interrupt real quick because I want to share something with you. So that was late last night that Catherine Scott was reporting this, this middle school age child who was shot about 6.45 p.m. last night. 416 homicides is what Catherine Scott reported. This morning, according to Philly Crime Stats, that number has jumped to 423 homicides. So think about in, in the time span of an 11 p.m. newscast and then this morning by 7 p.m. when I updated the numbers, 423 homicides. Another thing that you should note about that report, which Catherine Scott always does an excellent job, as she's on the scene of these killings. As I, during my career as a reporter and then earning my stripes and becoming a news anchor, I can tell you that there there is something that happens to you when you're right there at that yellow crime scene tape, and you're with the officers and you're talking to the community. And you see crime scene after crime scene because the, this is a child after all. What strikes me on this particular case is all too often police officers will not wait for the ambulance. When they, if they're in the area patrolling and they get there within seconds, it's often the case that the officers, the responding officers, if somebody is, is you know, critically injured like that, they will rush that victim to the hospital. And just imagine that. The, this is what our Philadelphia police officers are not just those who protect and serve. They find themselves as well on the front lines as if they're, you know, as, as if this is a, a war zone. And they find themselves with the with the, you know, the blood of victims in their vehicle, on their clothing, on their uniform. And this is night after night so not even 12 hours we think of the update on that situation and now this morning and i want to tell you what happened this morning and that's why it's important to put this in context when we think about this child being rushed to einstein medical center where for hours medical personnel nurses and doctors tried to save this child's life and and i can't even imagine you know what that is like for those medical responders uh, medical you know, professionals who find themselves as if they're first responders. And this is what's happening, at, whether it's Einstein or Temple. Uh, these hospitals are world-class hospitals that have become recognized in the world for, and this is a, this is a strange thing to say, but for their skill set in saving people who've been shot. So we have, and this is where Anthony put together now, as you hear, you know one officer on the scene of multiple shootings with Philadelphia Police Chief Inspector Scott Small, who was on these scenes throughout the night. And there were multiple scenes. The one young man shot execution style. Then there was another one, and and, and that one was in the Winfield driveway. Then we had um, a man shot with a three year old in the vehicle. This is going on across the city of Philadelphia. So, Anthony put this together. This is Philadelphia Police Chief Inspector Scott Small. And just a snapshot into what his, what, less than 12 hours on the, on the job in Philadelphia, maybe a 10-hour span. Listen in.
4: We do believe he was visiting some friends in this area. That's why we found him at 65th and Smedley.
3: Chief Scott Small says just before 7 at night, officers found the boy lying on the sidewalk. They took him to Einstein Medical Center where he passed away less than two hours later.
4: It's really a tragedy when you see anyone get shot, but especially someone this young.
3: Not much evidence was left on the scene. A bullet casing in the road and witnesses.
4: We never identify individuals who provide us with information. And the more information we get, especially the anonymous calls we get, it helps us to identify not only why, but it helps us identify who the actual shooter or shooters are and then we can make an arrest.
2: And not, so sorry, they're I'm asking struck. any they're asking anyone with information on these moving forward 215-686 tips. So let's continue on now we have Philadelphia Police Chief Inspector Scott Small and which scene is this Anthony?
0: This that was the uh, 13-year-old scene and now this is uh the execution style shooting in Winfield.
2: On the uh, Winfield driveway. Yeah. Hey, let's listen in. We're not certain if he
4: was struck by stray gunfire, but um, who and why someone would shoot a teenager intentionally. Uh, It's unknown why someone would do that. Someone so young.
2: And then we have another one that was a man shot and killed. This was West Philadelphia last night. Happened just before nine o'clock. There on the eight hundred block of South Forty Eighth Street near Baltimore Avenue. And police say the victim in that case, a man in his twenties, was shot four times in the back. He could not be saved on the scene. He was pronounced dead at the scene. No arrest in that one. So you think about you know the chief inspector going from scene to scene as he was on so many different scenes. And it's it's hard to wrap your brain around this record pace at which police are responding. And then oftentimes, if, they're, if the victim, no matter you know, whether it was the 13-year-old or others, is in such critical condition, they themselves become that first responder and rush that person to get medical care that is needed because they're minutes away. They have minutes to save their lives. This is the, this is the stress and the tragedy that is like a cloak over our city right now. And I, I, I want to stress this, that this is the working condition by which our Philadelphia law enforcement, our ambulance drivers, our EMS techs, our firefighters, who are often called to some of these scenes, this is their work environment, if you will, on a nightly basis. And not just in the dark. Some of these were in broad daylight, by the way. There was the one on Friday that was Norristown, but that one I told you earlier, the 47-year-old man um, who was shot and killed was not the intended target. That was the latest this morning. And so it irks me, a couple of things irk me about the reporting of this. and I've been critical of the Philadelphia Inquirer, which continually reports on a few officers who they say, oh, somebody caught video of an officer who's supposed to be on medical leave, and all of us, oh, oh, they were captured on video because their wife has a second job and they're helping out. Well, I want to see the reporting by the Inquirer and local stations, and particularly the Inquirer. I don't really like the fact, it it just, it hits me wrong, that on one hand, they don't report on what I'm talking about the environment by which our law enforcement officers, and I would include SEPTA, I would include, you know, others as well, but day in and day out to work in that kind of a, talk about a a toxic work environment, talk about dedication and caring and compassion for people to have this job. Recently, I told you about the FOP president, John McNesby, and we reported how proud he was that his own daughter, became a Philadelphia police officer and how proud he was. He was beaming with pride because this is their family commitment. This is what they do. They protect and serve. So it, it irks me to no end when the Philadelphia Inquirer, for example, does not do these stories about daily, day in and day out, heroism, dedication, compassion by the vast majority of our whether it's state police, but particularly in Philadelphia, although state police sometimes are involved, as, as we well know, in these cases. It's also irksome to me when I think about the president of the Federation of Philadelphia Teachers, the union, chooses on a morning like this, when middle school children are going to school, and they're just learning that their classmate was killed. You know, some of these kids, yes, they might they might hear the gunfire. They might know that this is happening. But to have an empty chair in your math class or your English class, uh, to have your friend, to learn that your friend is never going to come back to school, I that, that is bothersome. Is it not devastating that, Somebody within, the, and, and the statement as I began to read it this morning, I thought, oh, this is, you know, appropriate. When Jerry Jordan, president of the Philadelphia Federation of Teachers, released the statement, our city is once again reeling from the murder of a child, a 13-year-old boy in West Oak Lane whose life was stolen from him, robbed of his future dreams and aspirations. And I thought, what a beautiful statement to let us know, to, to think about and pray for this, this eighth grader. And so that part, I think, started out quite appropriately. And I think of teachers in this school, in the Wagner Middle School community, teachers and staff, and trying to comfort kids as they come to school and learn this news. And that's where I thought Jerry Jordan was going with this, you know, that our teachers are are on the front lines of comforting kids and giving them a safe place. That's where I thought Jerry Jordan was going with this. But no, Jerry Jordan instead took a turn in a direction that I'm horrified by, turning this politically and pointing a finger at Pennsylvania lawmakers in Harrisburg. And by the way, <laughs> initially said, it's, it's long past time that our elected leaders act. And I thought, oh, is Jerry Jordan going after, you know, Jim Kenny or Krasner? Larry Krasner? No, 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 Just kind of skimming past those two who would be the local hands-on elected leaders. No, no, no. Who's Jerry Jordan referring to? Jerry Jordan is referring to Harrisburg lawmakers. Now, in Harrisburg, who's, who's in control there? Republicans or Democrats? And you know the answer, Republicans have the majority control. And so Jerry Jordan taking a tragedy in Philadelphia, of a child at a middle school with children just learning this morning of this news when they get to school and taking that political turn and saying that Harrisburg lawmakers are continuing to sit on their hands and refuse to allow Philadelphia to legislate common sense gun laws and then ending the statement by saying we cannot keep living and dying this way. How inappropriate for Jerry Jordan to do this within hours of this shooting and this tragedy. To pimp it politically, shame on you, Jerry Jordan. Not appropriate. Talk about the teachers that your union represents. And I know that these teachers, I know many of these teachers, dedicated, loving individuals who, who have persevered, and who have said, "You know what? I'm going to stay here. I don't want to go to the suburbs because I'm here for these kids. And these these teachers, you know, deserve a medal. <laughs> You're not going to hear me criticize the the teachers. Educators, the majority of educators are wonderful, dedicated people who love teaching and love children. And that's the truth. Are there a few bad apples? Of course. And we could say that same statement about any profession, including, uh, law enforcement, yes. But that just turned my stomach when I when I saw the statement by Jerry Jordan. Tell me what you think, 855-839-1210. Hi, I'm Dawn Stensland. You can find me on Twitter at Dawn Stensland. We'll continue with so much more. Just
0: Worried about
2: letting someone else
0: pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink...
2: You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela,
1: the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois.
2: Ahead. The Uvalde School Board has discussed the superintendent's retirement. Yes, as you know, I covered extensively that tragic shooting in Uvalde. And now the superintendent stepping down that news this morning as we cover so much that's happening around the city, around our region, nationally, internationally. We'll talk for we'll talk as well about what's uh, happening in Ukraine. That's upcoming. But um, my goodness, there's so much, so much going on. Sometimes we have to just choose, pick and choose. What are we going to talk about today? The pardons are coming for some Pennsylvania pot convictions. Thousands of Pennsylvanians with low-level marijuana convictions could soon receive pardons, but hurdles remain for them to have their own records wiped clean. So we know that we've, we've been, I've been reporting over time as far as the applications for this. The state receiving about 35, 3,539 applications for Governor Tom Wolf's marijuana pardon project MPP, a one-time effort to pardon people with certain nonviolent cannabis criminal convictions. So the big picture here, and you've heard President Joe Biden pledging last week to pardon all the prior federal offenses of simple marijuana possession. And Biden has also said he'll call on governors to pardon similar state offenses At least 20 states and D.C. have so far legalized marijuana for non-medical use. Under a policy directive from Governor Tom Wolf, the Marijuana Pardon Project accepted these applications only through the month of September. There were signs everywhere. I'm sure you saw them. We talked about it. So the most applications for the program came from Dauphin County with nearly 300, which includes Harrisburg, and that was followed by York County, which is nearly 300. Philadelphia, which is the most populous county in the state, saw only 197. So nearly 200 for Philly. Philadelphia decriminalized marijuana, by the way, back in 2014 and issued citations for small amounts of possessions. I'm surprised we even issue a citation, quite frankly, because I think for police, if it's nonviolence, I, I just don't, I don't even see them doing the paperwork because the paperwork takes so much time. I'm I'm being honest with you. The Board of Pardons, uh, it meets this week to consider whether applicants have merit for a pardon and then meet the requirements for this program. And then they're going to hold these uh, public hearings, we're told. I had reported on this, well, when I started on the Dawn Show, I, I had reported on it for sure. As we talked about, you know, Governor Tom Wolf, this program, and I had reported also on on a federal level, Kim Kardashian. You remember during the Trump administration, there was a push to give clemency and to um, whether they whether they commute a sentence, whether they give clemency or give a pardon. There are different definitions for each of those. But this was something that we don't talk about it enough that happened during the Trump administration. There was a push to reevaluate many different people and that was obviously at the usually at the federal level for federal crimes but those drug convictions from what era mm, when Joe Biden was in the Senate remember and it was that that war on war on drugs but it was also that was a time when when then president Joe Biden truly supported those mandatory sentences for people caught with crack And remember then over time, we learned, and as a news reporter, I learned that because we, at that time, we could do the ride-alongs. You don't see the ride-alongs as much because there were some lawsuits, but we would go into crack houses, we would do ride-alongs, we would show what was happening. It was dramatic footage and it was the, you know, the so-called, you know, war on drugs or whatever we called it then. That was one of the names. But that was, you know, when Joe Biden was was a senator from Delaware and supported those crackdowns. What we later learned was, and we talk about inequity, during that time that if you were, let's say, African-American in a city doing crack, or if you were doing cocaine and you were a white person in the suburbs, there was inequity, wasn't there? And even with marijuana use, whatever the drug we saw that, in fact, the white suburbanite person, or no matter what the ethnicity of the suburbanite, whoever they were, they were much more likely to not serve any jail time. And yet, for African Americans in cities like Philadelphia, there was a greater likelihood that you would be sent to prison. But it, it, it all comes to roost, doesn't it? it and, and we played earlier uh, Vice President Kamala Harris speaking out about that. As she was do we do we want to hear that sound of Kamala again? Do we want to revisit that, Anthony? No? Okay, that's okay. I threw that at you because we, we had it this morning and, and you probably, you know, you've heard it, it was being aired last night as well with VP Kamala Harris, who of course was an attorney general in California. And her big thing was during that certain era that she put away thousands of people these so-called lower-level drug convictions. Some of them involved some violence. Some of them were drug dealers. But she was part of that culture. And so now she's speaking out and she's, you know, saying, oh, uh, we're not going to put anybody behind bars for marijuana use. But she did. And so just be transparent about it, Madam Vice President. Just talk about it. What we've learned with regard to these, um, these prosecutions And with locking people up for decades and what it does to them, to their families, especially for those nonviolent offenders. But I'm just going to point out that they're all following what the previous administration was all about. This was under former President Donald Trump. He talked about this. His administration talked about this and believed in it. And so it's, it's it's as if they think that we don't have a memory sometimes unbelievable (sighs) we continue to follow it i'm getting word of um an investigate another investigation that i love anthony where do you want to go here for audio do we want to do some quick audio before we have to take a quick break
0: i do have that kamala clip now if you want to hear okay yeah
2: so let's listen in this is kamala harris
5: people are affected by it but it's such a big step in the right direction what happens next other than just pressuring governors to do the same on the state level is there do you see legislation in the future
2: well you know we've tried over the years but i let me just start with saying this i strongly believe in the and the majority of americans i agree Uh, nobody should have to go to jail for smoking weed right (laughs) Right. And so we start with that. And then we are, to your point, urging and the president has been very clear. We're urging governors and states to take our lead and to pardon people who have been criminalized for possession of marijuana. And ultimately, though, as with so many issues, if Congress acts, um, then there is a, a, a uniform approach to this and so many other issues. But Congress needs to act. We're 29 days away from the midterms. Um, ask who you're voting for, wh- where they stand on this, and um, and I encourage you to vote accordingly. <laughs> you, uh... <laughs> <laughs> you know, what what is amazing to me, and she's on, what, Was that who was that, Jimmy Kimmel? What show was that?
0: That's Seth Meyers.
2: It was with Seth Meyers, all right. Obviously, I go to bed earlier. I'm not up for those shows. I wouldn't watch them anyway, okay. but... You know, up at four in the morning, um, getting ready for the six a.m. news on Kale and Company. But when you think about Kamala Harris and her and her history, it's as if she has forgotten her own history and what she believed in, because she was a tough prosecutor, and she even had opportunities during her time as as working under you know Attorney General, and then she was a senator. She had an opportunity. To say that if there were nonviolent offender programs, um, that they would have a diversion program and they would not have to serve a long prison sentence or maybe any. But she pushed against that. She did not want those diversion programs to try to divert someone, get them some rehab. They were a nonviolent offender. They were not a drug dealer. They They were a user. If you look up her history, this is something that she was strongly against. And believe, nope, you deserve to go to jail. And she wanted those minimum sentences, those, you know, minimum sentences for anybody who used drugs, even if they were a nonviolent offender, even if they were being, you know, captured the first time. And and this was a low level type offense. She pushed hard for jail time. And now to hear her giggling and getting the applause line and nobody's going to do this as if she never had anything to do with the past. It's amazing to me, and nobody calls her on it, well, except us. This is The Dawn Show. I'm Dawn Stensland, Menti. You can find me on Twitter, at Dawn Stensland, and yes, I have two Twitter accounts. Uh, One is Dawn Menti, and one's Dawn Stensland, but I I usually use the at Dawn Stensland. All right, school year's underway, gorgeous weather today and tomorrow for sure. And by the way, when the Phils come back home to win it on Friday, when our Fighting Phillies come home Friday, another gorgeous day. The only day that we're going to get rain is Thursday. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, tremendous sunny days and weather. So sunny days ahead. Now that the school year is underway, it's a great time to get you and your family ready for the fall season. My friends from the Piazza Auto Group, they've always got you covered. They've served the automotive needs of our region for nearly 60 years they're going to help you find the right vehicle, no matter if you're leasing, financing, purchasing, a new or certified pre-owned model. So with 14 brands, including Honda, Acura, Mazda, Hyundai, Volkswagen, 25 area locations, they're sure to have a dealership near you. Visit them online, piazzaautogroup.com, P-I-A-Z-Z-A, piazzaautogroup.com. Tell them Dawn sent you. So yes, the president of... teachers union in Philadelphia speaking out blaming the shooting of a child, a middle school age child blaming that on Republican lawmakers in Harrisburg although uh, I will say they did not say the word Republican that was was the inference let's get to Al in Bucks County wants to talk about the gun comments Hey Al
5: Hi, how are you? First of all I want to say That I never realized that you were the same one that's married to Larry (laughs) Mante. Yes. And Larry used to be my favorite newscaster on Channel (laughs) Ten. And uh, whatever happened, I mean, well, of course, what happened to him? He's married to you. But I mean, I haven't (laughs) heard or seen him. I haven't seen him around or heard about him in in years. Yeah, he's uh, been
2: on TV in New York and um, for in New Jersey. So he's still Larry's still around, but you wanted to talk about the, the yeah did. and
5: you know I kind of disagree with you. I'm not blaming the state, the the the, 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 the state in Pennsylvania. No, I'm, I'm not saying, either.
2: I, no, no, no. I know no,
5: I, I know he's I I know what you say, but yeah, but I have a problem with. See, here's the thing: when it comes to drugs, alcohol, any of these things um, that, that that are legal, for an example. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm all for the Second Amendment. The problem with the Republicans, they don't want to touch the issue, okay? And there is a problem. There's a problem with kids having too many guns killing people. They have to get together, okay? The Republicans, and that, that they've always been a problem in Pennsylvania. See, we, you know what, George Carver always called Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, Kentucky. There's southeastern Pennsylvania, and there's the rest of Pennsylvania. And we really are different. And, and they don't want to help Philadelphia. Uh, it seems that way anyhow. And they should sit down with Philadelphia and say, hey, look, can we help you with the gun, with the gun problems? There's just too many guns. Kids are killing each other with guns. It's not the mayor. It's not the police. It's these damn kids with those guns. And we have to do something about it, and they have to get together, like level-headed people.
2: Well, I, I agree with you, and I, I thank you for the call, Elle. I agree with you that, in fact, we do have to come together and figure out where are they getting these illegal guns. So these guns, some of them, I'm told, are ghost guns, so-called. They get them through the mail and put them together. Some guns they can print from a 3D printer. That's actually happening. And But I think we can't just look at guns in a vacuum, to blame guns, which are obviously an inanimate object. So we have to say to ourselves, well, how many more guns are on the streets this year and last year than, you know, three years ago? And did suddenly guns show up on the streets? No, they they didn't. We've we've had guns in big cities, and it's not just Pennsylvania, that's unfair too, because I think, you know, you look at big cities. Like Chicago, for example, like Los Angeles, for example, so it's not just Pennsylvania, and we, and to and to Al's point, we don't have, we don't have these types of shootings in other parts of Pennsylvania, do we? Where we know that legal gun owners in their homes have multiple firearms. So what's going on? So then we have to look at yes, the city, but then. Then look at the other ingredients. Drugs and gangs. Bingo. Ding, 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 ding. So what is here that is not there? What is here in Philadelphia or even in Pittsburgh, but especially in Philadelphia, what's here that does not exist in other parts of Pennsylvania? Gangs. The gangs and the drugs and that issue, that's why. So we can't look at one issue in a vacuum, but I will say the one the one thing that Al talks about, we have to come together. And one political party cannot simply say, nope, we're not going to hear this. Yeah, we, we need to come together, but we need to be real about it. It's the gangs and the drugs, which of course have gotten worse during what? The open border situation. And we know that. We feel it. And so are the vast majority of people coming over the border good people who want to fulfill the American dream? Yes, absolutely. They are. That's true. The majority. But with them, unfortunately, with an open border, you know, God only knows. But we know from DEA, we know from federal law enforcement, we know from the stats. And I've talked a lot about this, so I, I'm not, I won't spend too much time, but we know that the gangs and the and the drugs and the drug dealers are coming, and they're here. When you have ten to twenty thousand people pouring over an open border, and that's part of the problem that you know you heard at the top of the show, Tulsi Gabbard referring to. We have to have a border policy now. Should we? Can we all agree that career politicians, both R's and D's, in Congress have failed to create a high quality situation where we can deal with the border. Okay, that's fair. But I but before you call and say it's the Republicans' fault or it's the Democrats' fault, I will point to um during the Obama administration when President when President Barack Obama took office during his first 2 years. He had it all. The Democrats were in full control. They they had the ability then if they wanted to put together this so-called high-quality border policy, they had the ability, but they they did not do it. They did not put it through. And this leads me to be cynical to think there are some issues that these lawmakers on both sides want to, they want to raise money on. They want to campaign on. And it's a winner for them financially. Look at their websites, follow the money. This is one of the issues that they raise money on. And another one, guns. Think about the NRA. Think about all the money they raise, right? So whether it's anti or pro NRA, both parties raise up a ton of money on this one. So why are they incentivized as lawmakers to solve the problem? They're not. So we have to make sure they're incentivized. But I think ultimately we need to look at the gangs, the drugs, and then follow that trail and that leads you to why we have all these kids with illegal guns in their possession. So we need to follow that one as well. And, and we're cracking down on it in this area. Federal, state, and local law enforcement, I can tell you, and, and you know in the suburbs as well, Bucks, Montgomery County, especially Bucks County. I've reported on all those recent um, busts that happened with drug and gun dealers. And oftentimes, when they they find that, it's connected to human trafficking, tragically. All right, Anthony, do we have to take a quick break? Yes, we have to take a quick break. This is The Dawn Show. I'm on Twitter, at Dawn Stensland. We'll continue right after this. Do you have a new iPhone 14? Just a little heads up here. If you maybe go down the shore or go to one of the parks, take a roller coaster ride, and you have the iPhone 14, guess what happens? This was the Wall Street Journal realizing this and tweeting it out. I thought it was a great report that the iPhone 14's car crash detection technology, which we know has saved lives. It's incredible. It automatically alerts 911 if it senses a collision. But unfortunately, it's been discovered and pointed out and publicized by the Wall Street Journal that the iPhone 14's car crash detection will mistakenly identify a roller coaster ride for a serious accident. So they, and this is also Apple Watches. So they use factors such as sudden stops or rapid decelerations to determine whether or not a user has been involved in an accident. And the iPhone shows a 10 second countdown Accompanied by an alarm sound, if there's no response, the iPhone will automatically call nine one one and text emergency contacts that there has been an accident. So you can imagine you you know you're down the shore in Ocean City because I love the roller coaster rides, and all of a sudden your contact list you can only imagine your maybe your spouse or your relatives or what they're they're getting notices that you've been in an, an accident. You're thinking, oh, no, (laughs) that's I never would have thought of that. But the owner and here's the message they're going to get. The owner of this iPhone was in a severe car crash and is not responding to their phone. And so now the panic stricken relatives, (laughs) your favorite aunt, like Aunt June, she's, uh, you know, oh, my God, Anthony's been in an accident calling your mom. Can you even Anthony, can you imagine this?
0: Oh, my mom would have a heart attack. Oh my goodness!
2: Yeah. And so she'd be petrified, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, apparently, if you put so just if you go on any roller coaster rides or if you're doing anything, I don't know, crazy bungee jumping, put it on. I guess you would put it on airplane mode, or you can disable it temporarily. But they're working out. You know, they're they're you know, Apple has now released a statement. They've said that they're tweaking this to try to make sure that it doesn't happen. Because you can only imagine that. I thought that was a fascinating story. And kudos to the Wall Street Journal. I guess what happened, there was somebody who actually was on a roller coaster. It happened to, and it happened to at least half a dozen people that the, the Wall Street Journal then had, you know, confirmed that this happened to them. And so they're saying, you know, put put it on airplane mode before boarding the ride and, you know, make sure that <clears throat> and they then some people were joking on social media, maybe you should implement a roller coaster mode. Like I'm on a roller coaster. Talk to you in ten minutes or whatever. But so just a heads up if you're thinking about any roller coaster rides. All right, we have so much more just ahead. We'll update you on right after this.
1: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest five g network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours